Welcome <laughs> to ATA with Danny and Ray. I'm Ray, or Rachel. And I'm Danny, dude, Bob, person. Here, live, alive. That's a long name. It is a long name. <laughs> <laughs> Before jumping into today's review of the Castle of Cagliostro, I wanted to let you know that one of my friends, Ben, shared his thoughts on the film as well in a snippet at the end of the podcast. Now, what's really cool about this is Daniel and I did not grow up watching any of the Lupin series at all, but Ben did. So it is super cool because he he has such a unique perspective on this. So if you want to hear this from more of a Lupin fan, uh, stick around to the end because it is super interesting to hear what he has to say. All right, back to the show. Hey, Daniel, I know... People are going to be like, why the heck did they ask this? But Daniel, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> yeah, so I am drinking one of my all-time favorite drinks of all time. Let me Wait, just... I'm uh, going to guess. Can I guess? You won't be able to guess it. Really? It's Go, not Topo Chico with lime? No, it's not. What is it? This is hailing from... Hold on. I got to get my flashlight out. I'm recording with all the lights off in here. Why? Uh... Here we go. Uh, hailing from the the oh, where, what where's where's it come from in South America? I can't find the name of the country now. Okay, it's it's okay, but but what is it? It's yerba mate, is what it is. Oh, yerba mate. <gasps> Do yes. you know? I didn't know you liked mate. Well, yerba mate. Have you ever had the canned yerba mate? Like guac eyes? No, Daniel. Have you had the real mate? No, I like, haven't. In a gourd. No, I haven't. Daniel. This bro. Yerba mate. Wait, are you talking about the highly caffeinated tea leaf from South? Yeah, uh, man. Uh, yeah. It yeah. so it comes in a can and it comes from Wegmans. And I never I never bro. knew this existed until I was watching one of my favorite um pastors radio shows online and he kept what, like, and every, he's drinking yerba mate <laughs> yeah every every sunday night he would post these live streams and i was like watching the videos like what is he drinking i cannot tell what that is and then eventually i figured out what it was and then found uh-huh. out i found it locally and i was like i can't i can't but the, the closest Bro. it is for us is like 45 minutes away is the closest place i can get it and so <laughs> when i do it's like i've struck a, a a gold mine and i just pick as many as i can up and then i leave <laughs> with a big thing of mates everywhere but i love it okay. i'm gonna crack it open now because i wanted to save that oh. crisp audio for <laughs> that was beautiful i'm so jealous right now okay not to be like a total spanish nerd but um okay two second cultural lesson um so like the way mate is traditionally drunk is in a large group setting or whatever group setting right that's why and it focuses take... on friendship on the can that makes yeah. sense yeah so what you do is you take, you literally take these leaves and you will put it in your gourd, right? You'll like just fill her up with these leaves. And then what you do is you put your bombilla, your straw, and the bombilla literally has a filter in the bottom of it. So you're not sucking up leaves and you fill that sucker. If you're a true, a true mate lover, you will not put sugar in there. Yeah. But if you're a bit, you know, 
but weaklings like me will add sugar. And um, so you pour that in there. You pour like the boiling water and you literally, you give it to the guest first and they get the first sip, the biggest blast of caffeine and flavor. And then you pass it around the whole group and everyone takes a sip and you add more water and everyone takes a sip. (laughs) And that's That's how they do it. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. It makes me wish they could have marketed these things in a pressurized gourd. So it's still like the can, <laughs> yeah. you open at the top, but it's a gourd. Or at least a can awesome. shaped in a gourd would make more sense to me. But I didn't realize <laughs> that. That makes me feel yeah. like I am just drinking kind of the poor man's mate here at the, in the yeah. U.S. <laughs> but I still, yeah, it's still amazing. And mine, It's still good, though. Yeah, and it's what this is good is because I have a serious uh, problem with uh, liking energy drinks too much. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about this is... It's just tea, and they don't add much to this. Like they're very, very purposeful. It's caffeinated tea, but yeah, it's caffeinated tea. tea. It's yeah, it's got 160 milligrams of caffeine in it, which is like two cups of coffee, and it's incredible. Holy um, cow! But it, I'm like, I'm not like crazy about caffeine, but I do like caffeine, you know. But he does like yerba mate. I do like yerba mate. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. So we really do talk about cartoons and anime on this show. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's we don't we're not lying here. It's not just a drink review show. Uh, Rachel, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I'm literally just drinking Folgers decaf. Um, <laughs> we just like swung full spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. The reason is like I I am um, you know what the world's gonna know by the time this comes out. I'm expecting so like Woo! I can't just go Woo! yeah. So, like, I can't be dousing, dousing, I can't be downing a whole lot of caffeine right now, because yep. obviously, it's just not good for me in general, but it's definitely not good for the baby. Um, so, yeah, that's a thing. Yep. Some nights, um, if, hey, listen, some nights if I get, if I get too lazy to ground beans, because typically Cherish will fall asleep before me and I'll be up doing different things. And so, mm-hmm. I, I just, I use Folgers, because when it gets late enough at night, I don't care what my coffee tastes like, I just want coffee. <laughs> Yeah. And so I just go, I'm like, Folgers, it's in a can, you know? And your poor wife is like, you disgusting fool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we better segue or people are going to be like ditching us yeah, left let's, and right. Yeah, let's jump in. But, okay, so Daniel, do you want to tell us what what did we watch this time? Yeah, so if you, if y'all... Remember the last time we did this, ep- the last episode, we went over a, a show, Angel Beats. And uh, so we've been just kind of thinking through. Oh, forgive me. I'm going to be typing in something real quick here in case you hear my. I, there we go. It's not. It's on the microphone now. Um, and so we, we are trying to do some shows, some movies. And it just kind of depends on on the timing of how we do these episodes, whether or not we want to commit to something big or small. So we went for a movie that. I did not know this until after I watched it is a part of a lot of sets of movies, but um, they all kind of stand on their own to my understanding in a lot of ways. Um, Anyways. I think so. Yeah. We watched uh, Lupin the third, uh, not the third movie, but Lupin the third as his name, the castle of Cagliostro. And um, I think it's pronounced Cagliostro. Yeah. At least I know like, I don't know. Did you watch your subbed or dubbed? I watched mine dubbed, but I know you had to sit through subbed. No, if, I watched it. Mine was, that. mine was dubbed whenever I watched really? it. Really? Yeah. You fe- 
I didn't realize there was a dubbed on the. Str- I used um, Netflix to watch mine, and I you used Hoopla, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize there was a dubbed on Hoopla. I didn't either. I just clicked play, expecting to read subtitles because I love reading subtitles, and it was dubbed. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Oh. So they pronounced huh. it Cagliostro, which okay, true. True anime nerds here are already probably upset that I listened to it dubbed, but listen, I clicked <laughs> play and it was dubbed, and I was like, "Hey, these voice actors are actually really good, <laughs> like really, yeah, really they good." Are. And so I was like, "Okay, I don't mind that." So sometimes dubs are painful to sit through, but I I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Okay, wait. So you did see it dubbed at one point, right? I I first watched it dubbed, so okay. my ears were already d- spoiled. Yeah, but I have watched some of one of the shows and i did start watching it subbed one time okay to see what it was like and as usual it's beautiful but i do appreciate not having to read while watching a movie too (laughs) yeah yeah i i knew if i watched it dubbed it would be harder for me to remember because when i read stuff when it's happening i remember what's said really maybe i don't see as much but i do remember what's said more because I'm because I'm reading it, but I think I do miss like if there's a fast paced action scene where they're talking, I'd remember what they say more than what they did, um, just because yeah. I I'm trying to retain it a fairly fast speed, you know, and so I just like I don't know that's weird. So I purpose this time to make sure remember what they say, like listen and really you know try to catch it. Um, but yes, the cag the the Kaggle of Castriostro. No, the castle yeah. of Cagliostro. Um, honestly, Rachel, when you recommended the name of this to me, like I heard the name, mm-hmm. we should watch this. I was like, it's it's probably like it's probably something super odd and different and weird, and not like in a bad way, but like <laughs> you have a way of finding like random, good, but sometimes odd. Uh, anime films from the eighties and seventies, and so I wait have my... a second. What other stuff have I recommended? No, I just mean like over the years. Like I, I don't know if I oh. could name anything in general. Not like not, and I'm not saying they were bad movies. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like I'm guilty of being a mainstream person who's like top ten animes of 2021 or 2022. And you I'm know, like, I found this one in a rinky-dink corner on the back shelf. Yeah, I happened to see it sitting on the shelf at the Goodwill and thought, is this online? This could be good. <laughs> no, Daniel, I literally did that, but it wasn't Goodwill. It was the Dollar Tree. That's amazing. I literally did that. <laughs> and that one I'm going to be reviewing later on my own. So um, we'll see if it's good or not. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, I we really need to dive in here. Um before we admit if we would recommend this or not, I want to give the audience um, Wikipedia's summary of it. Sure. If you're cool with that. Yeah. Okay. So this is Wikipedia's spoiler-free description of the plot. Obviously, it reveals some plot, but it's not like major spoilers. Okay. The castle of Cagliostro follows gentleman thief Arsène Lupin III, who successfully robs a casino only to find out the money to be counterfeit. He heads to the tiny country of Cagliostro, the rumored source of the bills, and attempts to save the runaway princess Clarisse from the Count Cagliostro's men. Lupin enlists his associates. Okay, this is where I do not know how to pronounce names. Um, it should be is it Koichi. I don't know. Well, I'm on the Jijin. 
Oh. Jijun. And Goimon. Yeah, I oh, think dear. so. Guys, I don't know how to say this. I'm sorry. I did watch the movie. I've watched it several times, but I still forget things. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and sends his calling card to the count to get Inspector Zenigata, his longtime nemesis, to the castle. After becoming trapped in the dungeon under the castle, Lupin and Zenigata form a pact to escape and foil the count's counterfeit operation and save Clarice from her forced marriage to the count. I think I was supposed to read this review later because it is a little more detailed. No, that was good. I think that was helpful. Um, <clears throat> if I can put it into one sentence to simplify. Yes, please do. A, uh, a longtime criminal chases who who's into trying to get bigger and better heists uh, ends up chasing down this counterfeit system to a small, very small country of only like 3,000 people of Cagliostro where – a uh, prince has recently died in a fire, leaving a princess on her own who ends up being taken. This is not one sentence. Um, yeah. <laughs> by the count, which I don't know how that authority structure works. But I don't either. According to their country, basically, the count was the only one left on the prince's side of the family, to my understanding. Oh, okay. And so they were supposed – and now, so now he's trying to combine the families, whatever. Um, point being is – the princess doesn't want to marry the Count Cagliostro. She's taken into this crazy castle that's impossible to escape from. You kind of get some Alcatraz feelings, but it looks much better than Alcatraz. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Count, sorry, no, Lupin, also known as a wolf, ends up counting, following this counterfeit trail to Cagliostro, and his whole mission changes to saving the girl instead of his wallet. So, oh, that's so cute. But, um, yeah, yeah. So, Daniel, would you recommend this to somebody? Uh, I'm not hesitating <laughs> because I'm not sure. I'm hesitating because I want to know how I want to word this. Absolutely, yes. Anytime, any place, anywhere. <laughs> it's good. Yep, I'd recommend it. Absolutely. Oh, I was yay. thoroughly surprised. Uh, See, so Ra- I know good movies. Yeah. Well, Rachel, you, you su- like, listen, I, I was, so, you know, we had watched, uh, so like, there's still things that like bother me about this movie, but I absolutely loved it. Like beginning to end, loved this movie. Uh, <laughs> there's little hilarious things we have to talk about later that bothered me, like really okay, bad. Yes. But I loved this movie so much. Like oh my be- gosh, yay! Beginning to end, I would I would recommend it. Anybody who is just wanting to sit down for a good movie, and even people who are not anime fans, I think could just sit down and enjoy this movie like a regular oh absolutely Saturday morning cartoon movie. You know, you can legitimately yeah. just sit down and enjoy this. It gives. I feel like I don't know what I'm allowed to say yet because of what section we're in. Uh, <laughs> Um, I would also recommend it. It is one of my personal favorites. It is in that genre of film where it's kind of like the hero is an anti-hero in the sense that he's not necessarily a good person, but he is doing something good for some reason because of a change of heart in the moment. 
Right. Or right. Um, it it very much gives me now. So, so you'll hear this and think that's weird. It reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean because Jack Sparrow is not a good person. Right. Like he's not. He's a thief. He's a pirate. He is a womanizer. You know all these things, and yet he is also capable right. of being kind and generous and actually like being sacrificial for others at times. And yep. it's not exactly the same thing, but I feel like it's kind of similar. Where no, that's it's a, a lovable uh, bad, guy, uh, good guy, bad guy person. <laughs> right, right, and and I think no, I think you were spot on with that. Like it's it's not Pirates of the Caribbean in the feel of the film, right? Yep. It doesn't have the deep sea adventure feel. It's 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 similar in the sense of the main character and his struggles are similar. He's a, a wanted criminal, essentially with a with a past. And yeah. does some redeemable things in these moments. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Should we get to the spoil? Should we warn people now? Spoilers are coming. Yeah, yeah, we might as well talk about spoilers and and kind of just I don't know if we need to just talk about highlights, things we liked and disliked, yeah. or how we how we do this. But yeah, from here on out, uh, well, yeah. So basically, before we jump into the spoilers, I would say if you're just looking for a really good hour 40 minute film that has action that has humor and comedy uh and some of my favorite types of comedy um (laughs) and uh i it's totally worth your time so we don't want to say anything else on top of that but if you like never watch this movie but i keep listening to this episode stop like seriously just stop you're wasting your time with this episode the movie's way better than this episode I'm telling you. It is. No offense. It just, it is. <laughs> so. <laughs> I feel like I need, I, I don't know who our audience is, Daniel. So like, I always have this like inner parent coming out being like, but before warned, it's PG-13. Oh, I forgot about that. I mean, that. it is, it is PG-13 and there is some swearing, but like, truth be told, it's not to me now mind you i feel like different people have different filter levels sure to me it did not like uh, what's the word it did not inhibit me from enjoying the storyline like i didn't feel like i was bombarded with profanity was it a regular part of it sure but like it wasn't like crazy and and it was definitely not um put in there because they just wanted to put it in there it almost seemed like it was just a vocabulary of the characters. So I'm not I'm not excusing it. It's not but it is very right. different than yeah. a film who's like, let's just drop forty F bombs in the film. You know, like it's artistic. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely not that case. In this case, I watched yeah. it and actually genuinely forgot that they were like I'm not one who who uses language, but when I watched the movie, I genuinely forgot that there was language because right. I just It's just such a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, and and if you want to know, okay, what exactly is sad? The the parents guide on IMBD is like one of the best for oh, movies movies that have been around for a long time. So anytime I go to watch a movie, I just go on the parents guide, and they're they're explicit. They tell you exactly what's in it, um, and so that will be really helpful too. But <clears throat> yeah, I feel like this is one of those films where like, is there stuff that like you would want to talk about with your ten year old child? Sure. But, like, it's honestly, it's decent. Oh, maybe your 10-year-old should not be watching this. It's PG-13 for a reason. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's good. It's good. I'll put it this way. Uh, it is good and has language in the same way Princess Bride is amazing and has language in it. 
that's the way. Princess Bride has language. Just one, one liner right at the end. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, but that, it's the same way because see, you don't notice it. Because you don't. Yeah, exactly. See, that's the point I'm making. Yeah, so it's it's similar in that in that sense. Um, but let's move on to the yeah to the film because oh. I'm excited to talk about this. I do want to list off some facts about this that oh, kind of sure. leads into some of my interesting things. So, okay, a couple of facts. This was released in 1979. It is an action-adventure comedy, which you mentioned. It is directed by, and if the comments in YouTube are correct, it was his first film directing job by Hayao Miyazaki, one of the founders of Studio Ghibli. Ah! Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so this was... Now, I don't know where this falls into the series of Lupin, but this was the second Lupin the Third feature film that was ever made. Oh. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know. It sounds like there was a series before that, too, because Miyazaki also directed some of Lupin the Third Part One, one of the series then as well. Okay. Okay. Um. So, like, the crazy thing about this, though, was, it, like, you know, in Japan, it released in 1979, right? The American theatrical release was not until 1991. Like, that's crazy. That's a long, Yeah, that long is really time. long. I, I think part of the reason why, and I could be wrong, but I think the the love and popularity of anime and even just, like, popular Asian culture was not as big of a thing as it is now. Like, nowadays, you will have it released in Japan and, like, a year or two later release in America, if not sooner. Right, Because right. it's also global and, like, there's such a hype about it now. But, like, back then, I feel like you almost had to be in, like... Mind you, I was not born in the 80s. I know nothing. But I feel like it would have been more of a cult culture. Not literally, but you know what I mean. Right, right. Um... So, this was, uh, Daniel, stop me if you're bored yet, but this was, to date, one of the most popular of all the Lupin works. And I think you could see why. Like, you yourself said, you really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is, though, in com now, I have only seen bits and pieces of other Lupin works. Some of the original fans did not appreciate Lupin's change of character. In the other series, how did how was it worded? He is not as kind-hearted and good as he is in this one. He is much more devious and uh, he's not as much of the bad guy doing good things. He's much more of a bad guy doing bad things. <laughs> and um, he's definitely more of a womanizer. I know that there's a lot more, from what I've read, it, there's a lot rougher content and inappropriate content in some of the other material. Um, so some of the original fans were not a fan of this one because Miyazaki made him a more lovable, what I would think of as more of a lovable hero type. Right, yep. And Lupin, or not Lupin, the people that made the film said, described it as Lupin growing up in this, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Okay, I have one more fact for you, just like a general fact. Yeah. So Lupin the Third 
in the series, the claim is that he is the grandson of Arsène, of Arsène Lupin, who apparently was a character that outsmarted Sherlock Holmes. So that's his claim, okay. is that he is that man's grandson, and that is yep. why he is as cunning and witty as he is. So, yeah, those are my factoids about this film. Yeah, I think those are helpful. The timing, too, speaks a lot of it coming out in 1979. Yes. Because it, like, when you watch it, you're like, yep, this is definitely from that era. Like, you can mm-hmm. just see it in cartoons. You can see it in animation. But, the, um, music. <laughs> the music. Yeah. I that's love the one thing the I noticed. Music. Yes. Yeah. There's totally so much, was getting like, those vibes. I was. <laughs> the jazz, though. I love it. I love it so much. Yep. Um, all right, so we're definitely in the spoiler town, right? We're making our way oh, to spoiler absolutely. town. What are some of your favorite parts or whatever? Uh, yeah, well, first, let me just say that some of my favorite things in this movie were, and I just thought of this as we were recording, uh, the, the type of humor that takes place in this film. Um, there is, there is a, a couple different types of humor. One of my favorites is uh, a very, <laughs> is very much, if I could put it this way, a Danny Kaye slash Monty Python style of humor. Um, really? It just, well, it just, especially Danny Kaye, because it just gets these hilarious vibes of um, just the way things happen and the way things progress. And, and, and the, if I can put it this way, especially the action scenes and the, oh in the gosh, way that yes. the comedic like slapstick stuff that happens, it reminded yes. me so much of watching Danny Kaye. That I was like Daniel. My brain is like brain fogging. Who's Danny Kay? So Danny Kay was a um, he was an actor in the fifties, and I oh, haven't seen a okay. lot of his. I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but one of the ones that he's known for is like the Court Jester. Um, okay, but it's just it, he does a lot of funny stuff. It's a lot of word humor. It's a lot of slapstick humor. It's a lot of comedic like what's known as physical humor. So like, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and so this film plays on those types of humor, which I really enjoy that. Um, and and so there's just like so what it is, is when they deliver jokes in this film, it's, um, you know, I don't know if I can explain it this way. It's it's more subtle sometimes when these jokes are played out. And in and, and so it's not it doesn't feel like they're trying to force a laugh out of you. But if you're watching, you're like, oh, my goodness, this is really funny. Like, this is just ridiculous or something like that, you know. And so just uh-huh. everything kind of takes place that way. And that's what I noticed about the humor was it's just there are some blatant like, oh, this is a joke. But then there's some moments where like you're like, wow, this escalated into something really stupid. And like, for example, what was it? Whenever he pretends to be. The detective. What's the detective's name? Yes. Um, um, uh, Zenigata. Yeah. Whenever, Zenigata? <laughs> yeah. Is, sorry, I think it's Zenigata, not Zenigata. Yeah, Zenigata. Whenever he pretends to be the detective from Interpol, Zenigata, he – and then they end up all fighting each other for a long time. I don't know why that whole yes. scene really got me cracking up watching And the it. fact that he can rip a mask off his face – and yet he somehow perfectly looked like the count or however he did that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's see that and that where this is where you know, if I can mention this now before you jump in. Oh, go for it. This is one of the things 
that really, like, I loved this film so much, but there was just this thing that bothered me about this. And that was the <laughs> film's, like, constant change in its understanding of physics that bothered me through the whole film. Oh, my film. gosh. Okay. The car chase? <laughs> yeah. The car chase. <laughs> because in one instance, it's like, oh, wow, like, they're really being true to the physical world of how things interact. And then, like, there's real consequences, you know, like where they're hanging on a weak tree and and the tree breaks, you know. But then he drives his car basically on the side of a cliff. <laughs> it's like in one moment it was like, oh, yeah, that would make sense. And then the next minute you're like, that makes no sense how he did that. <laughs> yes. No, it's true. OK. The I don't know if this applies. I think it does. The part that gives me straight up anxiety and yet, who knows, maybe it's possible. The underwater swimming scene. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yes. Oh. Yes, that got me. There's no way. There's no way yeah. they would have survived that, right? Wait, right? which scene? Which one? When he, when he's... Well, just like when, they are, when they're trying to swim in that underwater tunnel to get from like, outside the castle. And he's swimming up the, the waterfall. <laughs> okay. Okay, there's that. Yes, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, there is a scene then, where Lupin swims he... up a waterfall and that was the one. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. <laughs> but Daniel, look, like, okay, it's it's more than, I mean, yes, it's ridiculous, but then there's also, like, he gets squished between the things and doesn't die. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Like, he should have died. He should have yeah, died. He, so they're, like, they're, they're they're trying to break into the castle of Cagliostro to save um, Clarice, the princess, from the Count, and they figure out that they can, because there's a large lake around the castle, for those who have, maybe haven't seen it and decide not to watch it. Um, oh, uh-huh. And there's a bridge that runs across. Well, there's an underwater system where they generate all the electricity and they have a dam and a waterway. And so they get into this underwater system and they essentially get almost into the castle during this big feast to get together. And um, yeah, and then they end up finding out they, didn't, they never had been in the water system. Turns out there's a a big drop off into like these water wheels where the electricity is generated and he just, oh, it's horrifying. he just gets sucked down through the current and down the waterfall in between the wheels. And I thought he was going to get injured, but he squeezed through and did fine. But, yeah, that was... There's no way. Yeah, that was interesting. No way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Rachel, what were some of your other favorite scenes? Uh, okay, uh, I don't know about scenes. I wrote a couple things that I loved. Like, I, in general, I just love the look because I love Miyazaki's look. I think when I tell people I love anime, what I really mean is I love Miyazaki's anime. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I do enjoy other forms of anime, but there's something about his look that's just, it's not overly crazy. It's simple, it's beautiful, it's detailed, and I love it. Yeah. And yep. this absolutely... This is why I was drawn to this film, because either I knew it was by Miyazaki or I could just tell by the look. Um, I love the music. It's ridiculous. It's it is 79 music. It is that music and it's jazzy and I love it. Absolutely. Every every inch of it. (laughs) The car chase is ridiculous. (laughs) Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Oh, we already talked about this. The underwater scene. It's not my favorite. It gives me straight up anxiety. I like, I can't handle underwater swimming scenes because like, I just imagine myself dying. 
yeah. and drowning. The the one that I thought you were talking about was whenever he chases down the bad guys and he has no <gasps> breathing. No, that one too. And he has no breathing ability. Too. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Both. Both give me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, This isn't a favor either, Daniel. I'm not answering your question. But I mean, no, I fine. do love the fact that Princess Clarice looks like Nausicaa from um nasca and valley of the wind yes yeah it's totally her it's pre nasca right there um yeah yep i did uh, now that you say that i guess i can see that Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what i love about it other than just like i love lupin's like really friendly fun loving nature and i love the fact that like lupin you think when Lupin sees the princess being chased by the bad guys and decides to randomly save her, that he just sees a pretty girl that he wants to get the attention of, right? Like, Yep, that's what I thought. Yeah. And then you come to find out this whole time he knew the princess. She had saved his life and he wanted to come and protect her and save her. And he is just such an endearing character in this movie. I realize that he may not be like that in the other films or series, but to me, that is just one of the reasons I love him because he likes to be a bad guy, and yet he also has this tender and caring heart, too, with a mischievous side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's really good. I enjoy it a lot. Other things that I liked about it, um, about the film itself, very classic story, but it still kept me drawn in. Mm-hmm. Um, classic save the girl from the evil count in the castle but like oh yes had its own <laughs> special twist uh, I loved I loved how it felt I love the mix of it almost felt steampunk in the way the world worked between the guns and the swords very old Studio Ghibli style thought as to how the uh-huh. world worked and interacted like that. that's in Nausicaa and the Valley Wind I think that's in, even in Porco Rosso isn't it um, Porco Rosso remi- is the same, in my opinion, the same vein as this film. Yeah. With the good guy being rough around the edges. Yeah. I also love that one for that reason. But but like there just there's this there's this world in anime, and and not everyone is always in this type of world. But where like the combat because I always like the the, the combat in this. The, the way the fighting happens in these films is hilarious. But the mix here, I love that mix of the sword and gun. Like, it's just yeah. so interesting how that plays out. Um, I just think it, it's cool. But one of my <laughs> – I don't know why I'm thinking of this. When I first started the movie, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be so cheesy. I don't know what made it me laugh so hard in the beginning whenever they're in that car chase. And <clears throat> um, Wolf's uh, – henchman friend account like like what's his name um um gosh hang on daniel i'm looking up the characters now koichi koichi okay uh at least that's what it says here on my yeah koichi zenigata um oh zenigata the no wait that's the the... inspector wait no i was like what are you talking about where is his yeah what's his friend's name and goimon okay i've got goimon up here but i don't have jijin okay so so jijin pulls out his pistol and is like i can shoot the tires on that car and he shoots and he's like oh no they're bulletproof and then (laughs) i don't know why i was just like i just felt like when the movie started i was like oh no this whole movie is gonna be them 
telling us what's happening and not showing us because then he's like oh. this armor piercing bullet will do it <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I didn't even think about that i didn't even oh question it it was so funny i just was dying i was like you couldn't just show us a box or like a special looking bullet instead he's like this armor piercing bullet will do it i will point my gun at the tire and pull the trigger <laughs> Oh my goodness. I was getting heavy season one bleach vibes. That's what was happening at the beginning of this film. (laughs) It always comes back to bleach, baby. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ichigo is drawing his sword. Oh no, there's a bad guy in front of him. What's going to happen next? (laughs) Oh no, he's weak and dying. Oh, he has new power now. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and everyone's just sitting there watching. Like, they're watching it like, with you, even uh, though the character is in the film. Um, anyways, I thought it was going to be that way. And then, it, and then it wasn't. It was just that beginning. It was a hilarious moment. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought for a minute, oh, no. But, um, yeah, overall, the like I said, the comedy, I was right there with a lot of the comedy. I thought it was great. Um, the Like I said, I love the mixture of the sword gun feeling. It's just steampunk is yeah. what it is. It felt very like, and not hardcore steampunk. I was going to say, this clothing style is not steampunk it's whatsoever. Not, not, not at all. But the but the gun sword combo, yes. The I gun sword combo, even the vehicles. You got the 40s vehicles, but they've got a hovercraft kind of vehicle oh, at the yeah. same time. You know, it's like this odd mixture of stuff. Uh, it just, yeah, it, it feels very turn of the century kind of feeling. It's just, it's neat. I like it. Oh, yeah. okay. So this is totally jumping ahead. But did you, so the whole thing behind this, uh, if you haven't seen it, is that the Count wants to marry Clarice because supposedly if they combine their power and their family rings, it is a key to unlocking this massive treasure in the castle of Cagliostro, which you come to find out the treasure is literally these Roman ruins buried underwater underneath the city for like years and years and years. Right. Like, were you expecting that? Like, what kind of treasure were you expecting? (laughs) I don't know. I just expected, honestly, to be just like a hidden door and literally just a bunch of treasure. I wasn't expecting a city underwater. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. It was interesting. There was this theme at the end and it was, this is actually one of the things I want to talk. This is maybe jumping ahead to the end. Did you oh, notice one of the things that said at the very end by Goman, the samurai, uh, he's standing up there and the count's assistant. I don't remember what his name is. Um, I don't either. Go ahead. <laughs> but the count's got this very Grima worm tongue like assistant that goes around with him. Um, and, uh, and anyways, at the end of the movie, the only way for the treasure to be found actually is that the castle of Cagliostro essentially gets flooded and destroyed, which is so interesting that that's, that's the answer. And then, and then Goman at the end says to the count's assistant, um, something along the lines of evil essentially always get, gets what it's deserved or always collapses in on itself. Like it can't stand. Yeah, because um, mm-hmm. his assistant says the castle of Cagliostro is done. It's over. And then Goman says, well, evil can never stand. You know, it always falls in on itself, which it, it's just so interesting because Lupin's a criminal. And it yeah. almost it almost sets this. I don't know if it meant to be. I don't think it was meant to be contradictory. I, I almost kind of wonder if it was this foreshadowing of 
he can't keep this lifestyle up forever. Oh, they'd be kind of like foreboding. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because it is a moment of him, quote unquote, growing up because he does more good than he used to. And and he has to come to grips with like, and in the end, you know, it kind of, it, it ends funny as he's getting chased again. Classic old, you know, ending with the uh, sirens blaring and they're chasing him down and whatever. Yes. But like, it, it was super interesting because the Count was a bad guy, but so was Lupin technically. He was the mm-hmm. protagonist of the story, but he was an antagonist in the world he lived in, you know? I kind of, I don't, I don't know this is a fact. I thought I saw in some of my reading that in other series, and I don't know which one, that supposedly he always steals from not necessarily good people. So almost like, a, almost like Robin Hood, but not because he doesn't give it to the poor, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so I don't, maybe, maybe this was Miyazaki's way of being like, and then he became a good person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I kind of wondered that, but it was such a, I don't know. I'm not sure why they put that in there if it was just a, a saying, but like, it was odd, right? Because he, they and then he. do that in movies. <laughs> yeah. They always have a reason for it. Right. And it was, you know, and the ending was was kind of interesting too because you and this is major spoiler everyone thinks he's gonna get with the girl and then he doesn't i know yeah were you hoping he would i don't know i actually kind of thought well this is very normal a very normal ending at first because i was like he's gonna get with the Mm -hmm. girl and then they're gonna be happy and they're gonna be rich and they'd probably do something kind with the money whatever and then he like essentially leaves and she says well i can't keep all the riches for myself and then so uh, it, it never it never is exactly exactly clear what she does with the riches at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up leaving because he tells her, listen, you don't want to. I got to do what I wanted to do, which was save you. Uh, but you don't want to be with me. You know, so he has this like redeemable yeah. moment. And I think even more further redeemed where he doesn't take this lady into his messed up life. You know? Yeah, I think it was. I think whether or not you ship them. You, you know he made the right decision. Yeah. Because she was going to jump into something that she had no idea. Like, if he right. truly is the character from the other series, he's a major womanizer. And he has some... He needs to work through some things. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but I thought that was so sweet in the end where he's like, you'll find a man who loves you. And all this stuff. And she's like, I love you. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, Gosh, you know, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, pros, cons. We've talked about some pros. and But let's maybe just hammer out pros, cons some more, maybe. I do have one more question for you. Yeah, sure. What did you think of count the Count's... Um, untimely demise (laughs) (laughs) well can i say this first the movie did a wonderful job to answer your question it was interesting and gross wait Um, do they know how he died do the people here know do the people listening know how he died do we need to tell them Uh, i can tell them Uh, uh, essentially the count so there's this fantastic showdown at the top of a tower Surprise, right? That that's a why wonderful do place. things always happen in giant clock towers? Yeah, 
So in this giant clock tower, they're riding the cogs around the clock tower. Actually, this, the fighting inside the clock tower, I thought was fantastic. It was kind okay, of really the cool. the running around, the yes. bouncing and hopping. Yep. It was great. I loved it. Um, and anyways, so he ends up, they end up figuring out that the way to unlock this treasure is to get the east facing creature needs its eye. So on the top of the tower, there's this creature that faces towards the, the, the rising sun. Wait. Or is it Daniel, the, it's a goat. It's a goat? It's a goat. It's a big nasty goat. That's for sure. This creature. This creature. Listen, you look at that thing, and it does not look like a normal goat. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, it's at least a a sheep with horns. Yeah, it's some kind of okay, angry. There's a big ram nasty thing. goat at the top of the tower. <laughs> 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 and anyways, the two rings, because uh, he was supposed to marry Clarice. So the the, the conflict is obviously, um, Lupin doesn't want the count to marry Clarice and also Clarice mm-hmm. doesn't want to marry the count either. He wants to join the families to get the long heirloomed treasure that's hidden. They finally crack the mystery that you have to put these rings in the eyes of the goat on the east facing side of the clock tower. The interesting thing is, is he, you know, the count ends up quote unquote winning the fight at the end because he gets the rings him the the um clarice and lupin fall off the tower into the water mm-hmm. and he ends up putting it in and the thing is he climbs up on the face of this clock and puts the rings in the eyes of the goat but then the clock just like freaks out and starts moving very quickly and it like it like it, it I, I was looking at it and i don't think there was any way for whoever puts the rings in any way for them to escape their death i had the same question like is that like, was that the plan? Were they like, you get the treasure? Uh, sorry, sucks to be you. You get to die now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because like, it's even if you look at the front of the clock, it was like there was a spot put in for someone to climb up to the goat. There is. There's like bricks perfectly lined for someone to climb up to the goat, and that's what the count uses to climb. And it's yeah. the only spot on the clock tower for climbing is up to the goat. And then when you put the eyes in, it like instantly trapped them and he got squeezed between the hour hand and the minute uh, hand. Uh, uh. And you don't see oh. anything. You see him start to get squished and then the camera zooms out real fast and you just see the two hands finally overlap and you uh. just hear. And you're like. Oh. <laughs> okay, that was masterfully done because you literally you don't see it happen, but you don't have to. No, you don't. Like, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my! And um, so, anyways, yeah. Then that's when everything blows up essentially, and the water comes rushing out of the floodgates, and it drains from the dam that was holding all this water in this reservoir. And underneath that is that big golden Roman city, at least gold plated. A lot of it was shiny, like like gold shiny. And I didn't know if it was actually just gold shiny or what. It's gold shiny. Yeah. It's a special term. Gold for shiny. Are shiny. <laughs> yeah. Um m- according to my source uh Wikipedia, it is an exquisite ancient Roman ruins. Uh. There's no mention of gold shiny. Well, let me tell you that thing was <laughs> dazzling with sparkles when it came out of the water, which I was surprised. I was expecting there to be fish flopping around, moss, you know, 
but it was shiny. Gold Maybe shiny. the water made it shiny. <laughs> That's true, actually. I guess there it's was a rising sun. Yeah. Gold from the sun, shiny from the wet. Yep, that makes sense. Gold shiny. Gold shiny. <laughs> That's a new term now. Gold shiny. You dropped like, the you like D. Gold. You kind of dropped what? the D. You dropped the D a little bit too. Gold shiny. It's gold, gold shiny. shiny. <laughs> With an apostrophe. <laughs> yep. That's gold shiny right there. <laughs> that's how like that's gonna be the this is so dumb how when a guy sees a girl that's like fine you know he's like oh she gold shiny gold shiny <laughs> <laughs> I need you to tell Cherish this now like when she wakes up in the morning be like you, you gold, gold shiny, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be like what in the world creep get away from me <laughs> <laughs> kick you in the head yeah. get out of here. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> Wait, I don't remember why we were talking about that. Oh, I was just asking what you thought of it. Weird, but Did, I mean, like satisfying because the count was a dirtbag. But um, he was. Yeah, he's just a creepy man, and yeah. uh, he just beginning to end had no redeemable qualities. Was just out there to steal the princess, and uh, very much yeah. just like the more regal version of Bowser from Mario, really. You know, has the princess in the tower, and he's just <laughs> just bad. Yep. I deeply appreciate a good bad guy. Yeah. And I loved that. And I'm sure there's someone out there who would disagree, but I felt like he wasn't over the top. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so many Disney villains are goofy, stupid Oh, evil, my goodness, yeah. And yep. you can't take them seriously. Nope. Because it's, it's for little kids, obviously. It's yep. not meant to be... It's not meant to be truly scary. It's meant to be little kid scary. But, like, this guy was genuinely despicable. Yeah, and I think that was done well. He was obviously bad. They weren't trying to hide it. And Yeah. But you're right. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't a let's take over the world. What I loved about the, the, the way this played out was um, my least favorite scenario. It's, it's hard to do well anymore is the bad guy who wants to rule the world. And Mm -hmm. what I liked about this was, and typically what that means is like, I have this undefeatable army and we're going to clothe the world Uh, in darkness. It was a more subtle takeover the world, wasn't it? It was. And yes, he was ruling the world, quote unquote, because of this counterfeit system. But the people he was actually affecting uh, and like the immediate worry had nothing to do necessarily with this counterfeit system. Like, the immediate mm-hmm. issue was a very localized issue in the castle of Cagliostro, which I liked because it made yeah. it more, like, real. Um, you know, instead of this, oh, yeah. he's got this dark force of magic that he pulled from the moon and he's going <laughs> to flood the earth. Like, like it just – it's like, no, he wants this treasure and he's going to he's gonna ruin this poor girl's life for it. And, and so then, like, Lupin steps in, you know, and it's just very, like, straightforward, you know. Um, I never thought about that, like, at all. Like, it didn't even cross my mind. And yet, I am going to be using that in one of my future stories now. What's Um, that? Localized goals for bad guys. Because, like, my brain... My brain... I think it's just because I, I was a Disney kid. I grew up watching those classic cartoons. You know, Disney or not Disney, it was always the bad guy. <laughs> take yeah. over the world. And so, like, that's where my brain goes. This person's going to take over the world with a giant army. And it's so stereotypical and overdone. 
Yeah. I, uh, to give a great example of this and, and cause I thought this was done really well. I had never seen the movie taken before. Uh, Oh, I have not yet to, I have not seen it. Either. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's super, I think it's a, a really well done movie. Super scary. Not, not recommended for anyone who's not sober minded and an adult, but it's, it's, it's really good and eye opening. Um, it's an action movie, but it's done really well. It's essentially, it's Liam Neeson, but his daughter gets kidnapped into sex trafficking. And he originally oh. was working for the government, not as CIA, but kind of almost as a, a, um, a person hunter. Like he was to track down, oh yes, you know, certain people and terrorists and so on. And he had been retired. And so he quote unquote comes out of retirement, but um, it's it's overseas. And so what, the only reason why I bring all this up is to say the thing that drove me about that story was the ring of bad guys were kind of all over the the European world that he was in. Like they were in the sex trafficking business based out of all these different countries. It was affecting all these different places. But the localized issue was he's trying to save his daughter. So, yes, he's trying to shut them down and whatever. But like the there's this immediate localized issue of like, I need to save my daughter from this issue like from these people yes and so he wasn't trying to stop sex trafficking as a whole he's trying to save his daughter and yeah. in the process stop it yeah 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 and obviously sex trafficking is is abominable and awful and should be stopped and he does stop Amen. a lot of them in the movie but the 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 what makes the conflict interesting is that personal connection of like his own yes. daughter gets pulled into it and then he actually sees how awful it is you know, mm, so mm-hmm. the whole point is kind of like in to, you know, here Lupin is like, oh, I'm going to save this girl. And then he finds out how awful the count actually is like, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. he has all this counterfeit money from all over the world. And he's got the world between his fingers because he controls the economics of the world by the influx of cash. You know, it, is it true what you said that Cagliostro is like 3000 people? What do you mean? Like that's. Didn't you say at the beginning of this podcast that like Cagliostro had like three thousand people or something? Oh, the town, the, the the yeah, it was somewhere between three because they say in the beginning of the movie like only a population of like yeah, it wasn't many. It had to be. It was like in the low thousands. It was around like three thousand or something like that. Very low. Someone's gonna message us and be like, Are "You idiots, that's not right." It was. <laughs> I remember being low though. That's all I remember. Very low, and and it was like. Well, it was a small country, that's for sure. Yeah, it was its own teeny little tiny country. And um, and yet it had all this power. Yeah, yeah. But the the reason, like I mentioned all that was that immediate conflict makes it way more connectable for an audience. Like what made Taken yeah. so good was is not only was he taking out sex trafficking, but he was like saving his own daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think what made the castle of Cagliostro more interesting was it wasn't like, oh, we just have to stop the count from from this counterfeit business that's like worldwide it's also like no we're trying to save the princess like there's this like immediate you know issue at hand and it's it's really good but oh so another question i had for you was what did you think of um oh i had two i don't know which to ask you about first okay what did you think of the ninjas were they not terrifying terrifying in the weirdest things i've ever seen in my life right (laughs) they were so so and this is the whole thing with the physics thing again he like like uh 
what Jijin? Jijin? What's sure? We're gonna pretend that's how we say that. I forget. It's Lupin's buddy with the long hair and the cool hat. Um, and um, <laughs> he like shoots the one in the head, and the bullet just like bounces like someone threw a pebble at his head, and he's like, "Oh no, they're bulletproof." And I'm like, I'm pretty sure if someone still got shot in the head, it would knock them over whether or not they were bulletproof. That just shows you, Daniel, these ninja things are unearthly. But then this is that this is that physics thing, because then the guy, the the Goman with the samurai sword is cutting their armor with. (laughs) Oh, right. With a sword. Okay, I don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> I still love this movie, but the it, that stuff makes me laugh so much. Did it? Did it make you laugh? I don't know why. It just made me laugh. Like when random characters would break out cups of ramen. Yeah, cups like, of ramen, or or um. I also really, and even though I don't smoke, I enjoyed all of the random scenes of them smoking. <laughs> just whipping out a cigar all the time, or a cigarette, or whatever. Yeah. Can I just say my? I think one of my top favorite scenes is when um, get my character sheet out here. When um, Zenigata and the wolf or Lupin are sitting in the sewers below, uh, sharing a cigarette, talking about their game plan to save the princess. It's because it's the classic good guy and bad guy find the bigger bad guy and yeah. work together to take him down. Oh, I love that. And they could have sat down and said, let's work together. Great. But the thing that makes that scene neat is they're talking about it, but they're not like fully getting along. But you know they're going to work together because they're sharing a cigarette. That's when you know. Literally, they are. Aren't they taking turns puffing it? Like the one takes a puff and hands it to the other. (laughs) Yes. That's That's when you know they're going to work together. It's gross. But it's it's a really solid way to show because they weren't necessarily getting along. They were just sitting there talking like, all right, here, let's hear me out. Like, let's talk about this or whatever. But then, you know, oh, they're going to work together because right now they're Mm. both puffing a cigarette, you know, together (laughs) and uh, the same one. And so it's gross. But at the same time, you're like subtle thing of like, okay, this is cool. They're going to work together now to take out, you know, the Mm -hmm. count. And I, I like that a lot. Goman. Okay, yes. Goman the um the uh the samurai. For some reason the whole the whole ramen thing is the reason I bring it up. When he shows up and is just like devouring ramen, it just cracked me up. Yeah. Like it's just yep. it's just so random. Like, yes, I want to be that person. Now mind you, they're from Japan visiting a foreign country, so maybe they just bring ramen with them everywhere. They're like, We need a snack. Yeah, it made so, me want to eat some ramen, that's for sure. Yeah, I had ramen today. It's really good. <laughs> I, yeah, I want more. And there must be so it made way more sense once I realized this was like a movie in multiple series because I was like, "Who in the world is Goman? Like, I have no idea. Like he just shows up." Oh yes, he you know? would just seem like a random character out of nowhere. Yeah, there was like no connection. He's like, "Well, let me just call my buddy, it's random samurai." <laughs> You know, yeah. And I was like, "Well, that's cool." As you see, there's like no story. I was like, "What is?" Oh, but I accepted it. I was like, "Great, cool samurai dude." Um, I love him. He's great. Yeah, and and other little funny details about this movie is 
um, Jijin has this big giant gun that has a bipod like it's supposed to be a sniper and it's got all the leaves tied around it. My favorite thing about that scene, do you know when they're sitting in the lookout with the ramen? Yeah. And did you notice, I don't know if you saw this, but they're like, they're arguing over like, oh man, Lupin's supposed to give us a sign about when we're supposed to attack. We're supposed to get a sign. And Goman's like, you'll know. You'll know when his sign's up. You'll know when it's time to go. And the best thing is, Jijin is like hiding behind the wall and his gun's got all these leaves on it and he's peeking over the wall. And then Goman is like standing on the wall. No camo. And his robes are just blowing in the wind. <laughs> it just makes no sense. I think they must have done it purposefully because Jijin's like all hidden in camouflage and then Goma's just standing on top of the wall. Like It's samurai magic, Daniel. Yeah, Don't I you just know? love it. I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> so clearly the laws of physics and who knows what else do not apply yeah and depending then, on which scene and character you are i love the wedding crash scene too can we talk about <gasps> that yes the wedding crash okay. scene's really good i the first time i watched it i did not expect lupin to be the priest in disguise neither did i nope i don't know how he pulls off these disguises i would genuinely like to know their like their reasoning behind the fact that he can literally be like an old man or Zenagata and then all of a sudden be himself in like two seconds. Yep. Like. Yep. Wh- you know what they're probably going to say, is- right? What? It's because he's the wolf. That's how. It, do wolves do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that would be their reasoning. <laughs> he's Lupin. That's what he does. Yeah. He's the master of disguise. <laughs> is he not turtly enough for the turtle club yeah yeah <laughs> okay but seriously what did you love about the wedding crash scene what about it uh well first you don't expect him to be the priest that's what threw me off yes and then i liked the way they did uh the whole trick where they thought he was being held up wounded um like so like they make a dummy oh, of him and yes. he's clearly wounded and i'm thinking to myself why does his voice sound weird because it sounds like it's coming through a radio but you can't quite tell yeah and so Jijin and goman are holding him up and it's like he's got the bandages you can see some bandages but they're all dressed green like they're like zombies from all the dead men below the castle <laughs> ghosts and i'm like something is just not right with what's happening here and then they stab you know, like 40 swords into what you think is Lupin. And then Mm -hmm. Lupin ends up being the priest. And it just is like super cool. Um, I love it. I love it. Because the priest earlier, if you notice, like takes Clarice in his arms to protect her. And you think, oh, what a kind little old man. Yes. You know? Yep. Yep. And it's a kind young man. Yeah. Um. I also love Jijin's gun finally getting shot, which you see him load and it's just like these giant regular bullets. But when he shoots them, it blows like four foot holes in the side of the building. Daniel, I deeply appreciate 
that you also watched this film because I never would have picked up on this physical battle detail stuff. No, like, it just I just love like like I'm not looking for realism like, but I do love just some of the odd things about like the way this was all set up. Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and, like, I know we were just talking about the wedding crash scene, which was really good. Like, really, I think really good. One of my favorites. And especially when the news broadcast goes down the stairs. Yes. And Zenigata's <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Look at all this fake money. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, my gosh. If I- we can get... One of my friend, one of my um, friend's husbands, and he's my friend too. But Ben, he watched he and Sarah my f- words. I watched this with friends, and Ben, who watched it, um, that was one of the things that he thought was so funny. And I just remember him laughing really hard at that. And like, I really hope we can get him to leave a commentary on this. Yeah. Oh man, it was great. it was good. <laughs> um, oh, you know, you know what scene gave me anxiety though? What? The rooftop scene when he's trying to get to the tower. Oh, and he's shot. No, no. Oh, that was sad. Oh, I'm talking oh, the about climbing. when he climbs the to the top of the one. peak and he has the little rocket and he's trying to shoot it across and it falls and he reaches for it, reaches for it. And then he has to. T- <laughs> this is the other physical thing. So he's like, oh, looking- yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He's like looking at the tower and he's like really, really far away. And he's like getting this rocket and, just, and all this fancy gear out. It feels very Pink Panther like, like where he's got all yes. this gear that's supposed to work, and then it all just like goes wrong on him, and the whole thing falls down the side of the roof, and he ends up trying to grab it and also begins to fall, <laughs> and he takes off running, and apparently you don't need gear to go across really far, far gaps and cliffs. You just have to run really fast. <laughs> Cause he just clears the whole thing in like two leaps. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, so funny. I love it. I just loved it. It's stuff like this that like like you I don't know about you, but like for me, I just want to believe that there is someone out there who can pull all of this off. Yeah. And yet and yet you know like the animators and everyone there did this on purpose because deep down inside they're all like, Nope, this couldn't happen. So we're going to make it. this I think, ridiculous. Like I, said, I think a lot of that was done purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, Jijin's gun is decked out as a sniper but has no scope whatsoever. <laughs> and then and then he's like in the building and just blasting these four-foot holes through the, wall, the stone walls. And I just love it. I just – it was cracking me up so much. I was just oh, – oh, it's so great. <clears throat> Oh, what did you think of um, Fujiko's reveal that she's not just this quaint little um, lady-in-waiting, that she's actually, like, one of Lupin's former love interests and, like, a kick-butt lady? Uh, Interesting, but, boy, her combat scenes were, like, I actually, this is the one thing I actually did not enjoy were her combat scenes. Really? Why? Because she was just so, like... I don't know. The pseudo army look just never. Oh, I yeah, I could see that. It was just kind of like a. You should have gone more like with like the the like agent type, not the like uh. army. Because she was like, you know, she was running her own cat burglar thing, and it was like, what the heck? She's like a marine. Like, what's you know? She's got like grenades all <laughs> over her. 
<laughs> it well, wasn't I'm trying bad. to look at other images of her to see, like, in the other series what her look is. I do know that this is something I was going to bring up, that she is, like, way more sexualized in the other films and series. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. She is definitely... She is the eye candy in the series. Oh, I clicked on her character sheet and that makes oh. more sense yeah that's um, not that's not great no it's not i feel like that should have come with a warning sorry i should have told you that uh, yeah we're recommending the movie not other not yeah be, do your research before watching the other like stuff. i said the imbd parents guide is incredible it's it's really good i i would um occasionally watch and I, I don't even know which one of the series it is. I would occasionally watch some of, like, the Lupin series on, like, Pluto TV. Sure. And, uh, mind you, I've not seen it all the way through. I'm not even sure I've seen a whole episode all the way through. Um, but the ones I saw in passing were not as entertaining as this. But, like, they were still, like, you know, like, oh, this is this is a way to pass time that I don't hate. Like, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it definitely not as much kicks and giggles as this. Yeah. But. Yep. I was not, ex- when when I watched this once again, my friends Sarah and Ben, when I watched it with them, Ben was so used to Fujiko's like kick butt lady mode that when he first saw her, he's like, that's Fujiko? Like she looks so different. You know, because she's dressed up in like glasses and hair up right. high in a bun. And, right. And then he's like, oh, there she is. <laughs> yep. 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 No, I was not expecting that at first. I knew I thought all oh, that because I didn't have any previous context, right? I had watched mm-hmm. this standalone, and so I just thought she was a curious maid in the beginning who knew the count was up to something bad. Oh, so yeah. then when there was this reveal, I was like, not expecting that. I was like, <laughs> you know, this would be a very different experience if you were a Lupin fan before. Yeah, yeah. I I could see why people would have. If you were a true diehard fan, yep. I could see why this movie would make you angry. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if he really was a more scandalous character before, and then they make him out to be this lovable good guy. Like, if you're if you're more of the fan of the previous, I could see why you'd be like, why are you making him into a goody two-shoes, you know? Yeah, which in the end, though, he still isn't. He makes some good decisions. Yeah, technically. You know? He yeah. still gets chased in the end. But it um yeah. I think as its own movie, I think it's really good. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Love it, yeah. love it. Yeah. Was there anything else we wanted to ask about the the film? Oh, I did want to bring up this is not necessarily about the film, but I I've never seen this movie before. I'm not even sure it's out yet. But a friend of mine pointed out that there is a movie coming out. That is 100% has to be Lupin inspired. Did, have you seen, Daniel, the trailer for The Bad Guys? I saw it for some reason somewhere. I just typed it in. Okay. I want you to look it up and I want you to watch. Where is it? Look up the official, the first official trailer, right? Yeah. Official trailer one. And I want you to watch up until, uh, hang on. Okay. Literally, the first 10 seconds, you will see it. You will see a Lupin moment, 
Hold on, I'm turning on my volume a little bit. I'm watching it right now while we're doing this podcast. Yeah, I am too. I got very distracted by the shark screaming I'm having a baby. Um, <laughs> I think you so. You need the first 10. Okay, long story short, if you don't recognize it, it's your first time watching it. That moment where he's flying through the air and it's slow motion, that is 100% Lupin right there. Wait, coming out of the bank? It's like the nine second mark in the one I'm watching. Yeah. Like, that is Lupin, 100%. I wonder, I'm, I'm like, oh, comments are turned off on this. Uh, man. Yeah, because it's a kid one. Oh, okay. We're going to Google this. Yeah, I'm curious now. I want to know if there's any other connections to is this, or this was just like. Inspired by are, are you saying just because he's a wolf? Lupin literally means wolf, and then they make a kids movie with a wolf that has Lupin scenes. That can't be a coincidence. That has to be inspired. Oh, I don't. Nothing's coming up. <laughs> well, I guess this movie's not out yet, right? I couldn't tell you. I don't know. It says in in theaters April 22nd. And this came out December 14th, 2021. So it's coming out this April. All right, guys. If you're Lupin fans and you go watch the bad guys, let us know. Is it a Lupin ripoff? That's what I'm wondering. The American Lupin Disney ripoff. Or is it just they loved it so much that they had to make, like, a kid's movie with a wolf bad guy? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I didn't realize how many live adaptions they did of Lupin. Live adaptions? Well, there's, there's a movie that came out in 2014, Lupin the Third. Okay. Like a, like a live action. Are you serious? Yeah, action adventure, two hours and 13 minutes, it says Lupin the Third. In 2014, it's got really bad ratings. <laughs> like, like literally, like every single live action of any anime ever made, really bad ratings. No, it's true. Why? Then there was one Why in 2019 called Lupin the First, Lupin Third, Lupin the Third, the First, which just really throws me off. But also has average ratings. Interesting. Yeah, why is it seem that like, you know, you would think that any concept would look good in any format if it was adapted well, and yet seemingly anime just do not translate well to live action. <clears throat> yeah, I've only ever heard of one, and I've never seen it, so I can't actually say this was any good, and I so I can't recommend it. But I think I've heard that the live adaption of Death Note was done well. Okay. But I can't say for certain. I also can't say I can recommend it because I don't know even know what the ratings are on the live adaption. I've only oh, ever right. seen the the show, but I've heard I, I've heard that it was good. But I watched a live action of Bleach on Netflix once. Oh, that's awful! Just bec- oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it, uh, I mean, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. But I, I just, I think I was just craving nostalgia, so I watched it. Yeah, I did. You know, now that we're not trying to move into another review, but <laughs> I did like how much they stuck with the crazy sword fights in Bleach 
the way it translated the live action I thought was actually done well. But so is it that it wasn't? It's not that it was a bad adaption. It's just it will never be as good as the anime. Yeah, is that that's what basically we're it. Yeah. I yeah. just also think that like anime hairdos are just always ridiculous, and they just look stupid in real life. Like, <laughs> yeah, they look great in cartoons, but the second they translate over, it's like, it's like you've just moved a nice word document into wingdings, and then you're just like, <laughs> oh. Oh, this does not translate at all. No, the worst. <laughs> I feel like the worst is especially for like girls and stuff who have like weird bangs. Okay, the person. Yep. This is not Lupin. We're not talking about Lupin anymore. This is just a but, sidebar. <laughs> now I need to know: Did Lupin's hair translate well? Let's. Oh, they just give him boring short hair. Yeah, okay, no, it, it's whatever. very normal. It translated fine. Suit and tie and everything actually looks okay. I actually really want to watch this now to see if it's any good. Don't don't disappoint yourself. I really want to watch it, Daniel. I really <laughs> want to know. <laughs> I just got to know. Which one? The 2019 or the 2014? I don't know what I'm looking at. This trailer was released six years ago. So weird. This doesn't make sense. I I want to watch it now. Yeah, now we're going to do a live-action review of the Lupin films to see if they're any good. And everyone's going to be like, I thought this was ATA, all things animated. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we never introduced our title show thing. Oh well, people know. They're here. They've been here. Yeah, they know what we're doing. They know what we're doing. They know what we're doing. And then there's also the the trailer that was put out of the animated version in 2020, the CGI. (gasps) Yes. I don't know how to feel about that because I traditionally love 2D animation and usually if something goes 3D, I hate it. Yeah, it looks really weird. It looks like Donkey Kong, what it looks like. Like, I want to watch it. We should watch it sometime and see what we think. I don't know if I can do it. I just love the animation too much. I love regular old anime animation too much. I, I do too. I really do. And I mean, that for me, it applies to like, don't get me wrong. There are 3D movies that I thoroughly enjoy and think are beautiful. But there's something about a classic animated look, 2D animation, that just hits me Yep. way harder than 3D animation. Does this mean I'm closed-minded? Yes. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're like, yes. <laughs> I am, in fact, closed-minded. <laughs> Does it mean we were born in the 90s? Maybe. <laughs> well, you're more of a 90s than I am. I was, like, born in the 90s but, you were but lived still in the born 2000s. In the 90s. <laughs> you still were born in the I 90s, lived with 90s pe- I lived with 90s people. That's what matters. I really had a 90s <laughs> lived- kid childhood because everything I was influenced by were people from the 90s. So I, I realize now that most of the shows I watched were actually late 90s, early 2000s, if I'm yeah. going to be honest. Listen, we, we had dial-up internet till 2009, so we lived in the 90s <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. dude like all the, This is off topic, but all those times that we would sneak onto the computer and mom and dad would try to make a phone call and be like, Get back in the barn and do chores. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to watch Homestar Runner. That's the next thing yeah. we need to review is Homestar yes. Runner. <laughs> Can we please? Just uh, because it would literally just be laughs and inside jokes the entire time. 
<laughs> we're oh really gosh. off topic, but it's great. Doesn't matter. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I think we just ran out of things to talk about. Well, are, we're, so are we're we supposed like... to give it a number rating? I forget. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Um. Okay. I feel like I should go first. Go ahead. Yeah, but, it's like, your recommendation. I'm. Yeah, that's just it. Like, Daniel, I don't know. My problem is, okay, we're saying one is the worst thing in the world. Right. Five is like, it's not good. It's not bad. It just is, right? And then 10 is it's a masterpiece. Right. I don't know what would be a 10. That's my problem. I don't know. Yeah. In my mind, a movie would have to be like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So, Like, is there a 10 out there? Does a 10 exist? I don't know. Yeah. I don't even <laughs> remember what we rated other shows. That's the problem. I need to have better um, long-term memory. Personally, I have given 8.5 so far. Um, both, I think. I know I gave Angel Beats, I think, an 8.5, and I think I gave, wow, if I gave an 8.5 to, okay, I'm just going to say it. I would give Ca- The Castle of Cagliostro at least a 9, and I'm debating on giving it a 9.5, simply because I just enjoy it. I think something that, like, the last time I watched it, for some reason, s- certain parts felt slow to me. And I don't know if that's just because of the context I was watching it in or because it's like the hundredth time I've seen it. Did you experience that at all or did you feel like it was good pacing? The slow moments for me, I actually felt like were really good and purposeful. Okay. Okay. I yeah. just wanted to run that by you. So, like, I'm really, I'm really tempted to give it a 9.5, but I feel like I'm going to be like kicking myself in the butt later for giving this a, such a high rating I'm yeah. like, for now i'm gonna say a nine yeah because like i i love this movie what about you boy i'm really now that you've set the bar of 10 equals masterpiece and one equals the worst ever <laughs> i'm always listen not saying there isn't the perfect movie out there but i don't know if i can think of what would be a masterpiece in my mind of a, of a film Right. Well, and maybe put it this way. Uh, maybe think of it more as an enjoyment level because when it really comes down to it, we're not film critics. We're just people talking about movies we enjoy. Right. And so taking into consideration the pros and cons, you know. Right. Yeah, I would say, boy, okay, for me, 10 is like, 10 for enjoyment level, what I enjoy in a movie is one that grips me beginning to end, makes me laugh, makes me cry, you know, the full spectrum, lovable mm-hmm. characters, incredible plot. Uh, so not that I'm a movie critic, like you said, enjoyment level, I thoroughly enjoyed this film, was thoroughly surprised. And as someone who has never seen any of the other Lupin films, I can't rate it according to that context. For yeah, someone who yeah. stepped in and just watched the film. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I don't know in my mind if it hits like masterpiece enjoyment. Um, I don't mean that mm. like like critically. Like there wasn't like huge critical flaws. Um, boy, yeah, this I, is. I would agree with you. This is hard. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think because in my mind I have, <clears throat> I have a show that in my mind enjoyment level. And I'm not going to say what it is. And I, and I can't speak for season two of this show, but 
But in my mind, it's like almost a 10 because it's so, 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 so good. I know what show you're talking about. <laughs> and um, and so I like and, – and I'm trying to compare the two, but I'm just trying to think if that's my standard, okay, what were the but, good things? Yes. I mean, honestly – if that is your standard, then like use it. Use it as a bar to help you rate this. Because I like, guess that's true. I don't know. I'm gonna well. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this. I think where it belongs in my mind, and it's not anything against it because I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm gonna oh, put no. it at You're gonna an trash eight. it. No, I'm not gonna trash it. <laughs> I just don't want to take my. I just don't. I can't say my ten right away. You know. I don't want to like just chuck my ten so out what there. Is it? <clears throat> I'm gonna is put it? it at an eight. Boom. Okay. Because for me, eight is like, I will watch this movie again, and I will thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoy it. Uh, it is That's not true. always it is not always the genre that I choose. It's not always the type that I choose. Um, and so this is totally pure preference. But I thoroughly loved the movie. Like loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great. I guess that's. That's valuable. Yeah, I could see that because like you could thoroughly enjoy a movie, but also recognize that. It may not be a nine or a ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, I'll put it this way: if if Daniel gives an eight, uh, that means it's worth, in my opinion, worth your time watching. Yeah. It, so I'll put it this way: there are movies that I love, and then there are movies that are like new for me to watch every single time. I'll give the example: um, Lord of the Rings, for example. I've seen it fifteen billion times. But I could watch it over and over and over and over again because in my mind, though it's not animated, that's a 10-type movie to where I could watch it every single time and enjoy it every single time, no doubt, and love it, you know? That's a good example. So, like, I can just go through it every single time, um, any one of them extended and just be like, this is great and just straight up not have any problem watching it again, you know, and then watching again later. You know, and so in my mind, that's like that's ten for me, is mm-hmm. is can constantly visit. Eight is still incredible. Like, you know, yeah. that means it's a really good movie. I may not go back and watch it all the time, but it's it's really good and totally worth watching. So, cool. We have a nine and an eight. There you go. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I definitely. I think I'm definitely a sucker for. I don't know this comedic. Like, it's weird because, like, I'll go, like, I love fantasy. And then I love stupid comedy stuff like this, too. Yep. <laughs> yep. We – you know what we have to do, though? We have to be careful to stop picking 8s and 9s and, and 7.5s and so on. We got to, like – what we ought to do is pick a movie because, like, I know you had kind of seen this and thought Daniel should watch this and let's talk about it. Oh, and, and we've, something we've both never seen. Right. And then I recommended Angel Beats and then you recommended yeah. the previous one. And so I'm kind of curious down the road if we just find a movie that isn't like trash in the sense of inappropriate um, but that we like both quality. have not seen. And we just watch the trailer and we're like, OK, let's watch this and not tell each other anything <gasps> oh. about it. And then and then go from there. Like or if we have recommendations. I actually, yeah, I have a list of movies I want to see and it's from a group I'll say it's G Kids, G Kids Films. Their stuff always looks beautiful. Okay. But it seems like you either get like a hit or miss. Like you never know what you're going to get. 
personally. Yeah. They're always gorgeous and well-made. But the, like, the plot and the storyline either grips you or drops you like a rock. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I would love to do some of... I think they're not necessarily... I'm going to get this wrong. They don't necessarily make the movies. They, like, distribute them here in the States. Okay. Okay. Like Funimation or something? Sure. I don't know what Funimation does, but yes. Yep. Oh, yes. I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I would love... They've had a few ones come out here recently that I want to watch, but I'm scared to watch it because I don't know if I'm going to love it or hate it. Sure. So, we should totally watch some of their stuff sometime. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. And listeners, if you think of something, you're like, oh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, and uh, it could be hit or miss, send it our way. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love to do that. Because it would be fun sometime to review a just complete bonkers, you know, three. And just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ouch. Oh, my goodness. Maybe, maybe like, we're so nice that we just give really high scores. Yeah, that's what I'm like, wondering. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, it's possible. Maybe we just... I- I am that person, though. I am. I hate giving <laughs> low scores. Everyone's going to be like, you always give no high, lower than a seven, Rachel. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I hate judging. <laughs> I hate giving. Because I feel like I am, like, condemning this film or whatever to, like, you are only worth this many points to me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh, we better wrap this up. Time is flying. Yeah, we can we can land the plane now if you want. Yeah, let's do that because it's oh our poor listeners. We're an hour and a half in. <laughs> oh, they're fine. They'll make it. The movie was an hour and forty, so you know the they, they've done this once. You know what would really work is if you watched the movie subbed with the volume down and then just had our our commentary rolling. <laughs> As you are. That, that'd be the trippiest experience ever. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be awful. <laughs> It'd be even better, though, if some of the stuff we talked about actually lined up with the movie while they, like, were watching it. You know, people like, have done that. Like, they'll do a podcast episode where they're reviewing a movie and it's just their commentary. You can play it while the movie's going. Oh, and that's it, brilliant. And it matches. It forces you. Yeah. That's great. So we could consider okay, anyway. that someday. It'd be kind of hilarious, but great. Yes, absolutely. So you've been listening to another episode of ATA, All Things Animated with Danny and Ray. You can find us on the interwebs, such as Instagram or Facebook at ATA with Danny and Ray, all spelled out. Uh, Or email us at ATA with Danny and Ray at gmail.com. Great. Uh, Anything else, Daniel? I think that's it. Thanks for joining us and uh, send us any recommendations you think we need to review. Cool beans. All right. Bye, guys. See ya. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Here are Ben's thoughts on the castle of Cagliostro. All right. These are, this is my take. Some of my, well, some of my uh, comments and and uh, some fun facts that I know about uh, Lupin, the Castle of Cagliostro, and uh, some of the uh, other Lupin the Third stuff. Uh, Lupin the Third, cool thing about Lupin the Third is uh, Monkey Punch was inspired by the French author Maurice LeBlanc. 
uh, character in his series of novels, Arson uh, Lupin. Uh, pardon me if I'm not pronouncing that properly, but uh, it is a novel series about a gentleman thief. Uh, Lupin was inspired by him and also inspired by James Bond. Uh, kind of a kind of a sly thief with a uh, warm heart, a, a good heart at his core. Uh, the Castle of Cagliostro is a bit of a different uh, Lupin movie. Uh, uh, really, a kind of a fan favorite, and it has a very whimsical feel. Uh, Lupin himself is a little different in this movie. He's a little more chivalrous, a little less of a uh, scoundrel, a little more has a bit of a bigger heart. Uh, a bit more of a gentleman. Um, one of the reasons for that is is that this is the only Lupin movie that was written and directed by uh, Hayao uh, Miyazaki. Uh, again, pardon me if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, but he was he is the one of the uh, co-founders and creators and animators from Studio Ghibli. He he uh, brings a uh, kind of a different approach, slightly different approach to. Uh, the Lupin character than some of the other uh, writers and directors who've produced some of the other films and even uh, Monkey Punch himself. Um, but uh, he brings a very, very uh, deep, lush uh, scenery to the film and and uh, just some just beautiful vignettes and and uh, just great characters and, and uh, just attention to detail that uh, Studio Ghibli fans uh, recognize very well. Everything in these uh, films is uh, very real to true to life. All the vehicles that are uh, in the film, like their uh, the iconic yellow car at the beginning of the film, and I guess at the end of the film as well, is the uh, uh, nineteen fifty seven Fiat uh, five hundred, which is a really iconic uh, European uh, car. And I uh, some of my personal favorite scenes are just them. Uh, driving in that car and and the uh, chase at the beginning and and uh jigging changing a tire uh in that beautiful field of flowers while uh while um Lupin just kind of sits uh on the top of the car lazily watching his friend change the tire <laughs> but uh you know it's just some of the tiny details that uh, uh Miyazaki uh puts into the film that really made made it a a good film I also love the uh, old-fashioned, I love 70s, 60s, uh, hand-drawn anime. It just has a very warm, nostalgic feel to it. I just love all the, you can see all the ink lines and, and just uh, all the hand-drawn artwork is just uh, incredible. I also love the uh, heavy use of firearms because uh, Japanese animation doesn't have the kind of, same kind of censorship laws that American animation uh, goes under. So you know they they are allowed to use big guns, and I, I uh, I love um, the fact that all their all the guns that they use are actual uh, real life guns, uh, as well. Lupin uses his trusty Walther P thirty eight, which is a German uh, handgun, and Jiggen uses his large three fifty seven Magnum uh, Smith and Wesson Model nineteen. Fujiko is seen with a German Luger, and then of course. Um, I love Jiggen's huge uh, Russian anti-tank rifle that he uses, basically for a sniper rifle. It's kind of an overkill, but he looks very comedic and just very, very kick butt, uh, holding that large rifle in his hand. 
So to compare it to the other Lupin movies, again, you, you see in this film a more chivalrous Lupin where his more scoundrel, greedy side tends to show in the other films. Uh, some of the other films are tend to be a little raunchier, more adult-centered. I would say the other Lupin films, I would, I would consider them adult animation. There's a, it's, there's a little more uh, just adult content in them that I would uh, be aware of. So I wouldn't recommend the Lupin series as a whole, as a family-friendly or a family uh, movie night type of content. So I would watch at your discretion. But anyway, this movie is uh, this uh, the Lupin the uh, Third Castle of Cagliostro is a just a lush film with beautiful scenery. I love the the uh, ruins, the ancient ruins after they drain the the lake and and uh, just the beautiful castle scenery. And I even like uh, Jiggins' little uh, stakeout outpost in one of the ruins of the castle with all the Chinese takeout and soda cans laying around as uh, they wait for. Uh, Lupin to make his move. Uh, just a very good movie. It's a a movie that um, has a moral. It's uh, basically against against greed and, of course, I love that the the villain, in the end, eventually is his own undoing as he is crushed very violently between the hands of the clock. Um, and I love that um, one overarching theme in the Lupin series is that he is this sly, smooth criminal criminal type of character, some kind of cross between Robin Hood and and James Bond, like if they were to be combined into one person. The neat thing about the Lupin film's overarching theme is that he's always out for something, out uh, to do something for himself, and in the end winds up doing the right thing and ends up pulling off something really crazy and amazing uh, in the end. So yeah, I love the movie. I love the animation style. I love the I love the the skinny lanky characters. I love that you never see Jiggins' eyes. <laughs> and and I love uh, their their fashion and their suits and and their boots and honestly it, it uh, their style kind of insp- has inspired mine. So yeah, that's all of my blathering about Lupin. I could probably say a lot more things, but uh, you probably won't be able to fit anything in, all in. So use some of this. Uh, use a little bit of it. Use one comment of it. Uh, use whatever uh, is helpful to you. Uh, thank you for sharing this film with me. Thank you so much, Ben, for sharing your thoughts. I really hope that we can have you on the show sometime in the future. In the meantime, guys, keep on listening to ATA, and I'll see you on the flip side. Bye!